Thank you very much. Let's take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 22 today, and today's message is confidence in providence from a biblical perspective. Confidence in providence, and sometimes we think about providence, the only thing most people know about providence today is Providence, Rhode Island, or, or some other place named Providence. But Providence, Rhode Island, even in and of itself, was named because a Reformed Baptist preacher escaped there for religious liberties and said, this must have been the providence of God, and therefore he established the town of Providence, Rhode Island. Now we know that Rhode Island, obviously this is the home of now Brown University and some of the most liberal thinking on the planet. And I find it amazing that every place that God did a work in, in, in this country and where, God, where, the, where the, the founders of our country came into the country is some of the most liberal, godless portions of our country today. Everywhere God was at work. And Providence Rhode Island bo boasts that it has 75% more uh, um, uh, homosexual relationships than the nation of America put together. 75% more. And you say, well, that's a big number. Well, look up the numbers for yourself. The very place that a man had got a group of followers, they said, finally, we have a place to worship God in America freely. This is the providence, the hand of God in charge of doing this. Satan has gradually, over just a short window of time, brought in now all the sin that man can actually conjure up, and actually they brag and boast about being the one of the most liberal areas uh, in America. Look it up for yourself. It's really sad to hear the, the word providence, the actual control of God, and actually see what's happened uh, even in a place like that. But we know it happens in our lives if we're not careful. Let's look at your notes before we read in the scripture. I want to read that first definition that comes to you from GodQuestions.org. It's not really a definition uh, from J.I. Packer, but it's more of just a description. Divine providence is the governance of God by which he, with wisdom and love, cares for and directs all things, all things, as your notes, in the universe. The doctrine of divine providence asserts that God is in complete control of all things. Say that with me. That God is in complete control of all things. He is sovereign over the universe as a whole, the physical world, the affairs of nations, human destiny, human successes and failures, and the protection of his people. The doctrine or teaching, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the word doctrine, it, means, it just means teaching. The doctrine stands in direct opposition to the idea that the universe is governed by chance or fate. And yet, I gave you the reference. You can go back and look that up and, and read the rest of the article. A very great article on the providence of God, the divine providence of God. Sometimes in our life, if we're not careful, we can feel that our lives are out of control. You ever felt that way before? Anyone? And you say, well, all my stuff's piling up. My, my problems are piling up. My financials are piling up. My relationships are piling up. Lord, I just need to check out. We see that suicide's probably the highest rate ever in our country today because people have no hope. They choose to actually think that they can actually work this out. I have to work this out for myself. I have to work this out and get through this myself. Uh, self-made man, self-made woman. We, we focus on those things that we've been told as a prideful American today instead of actually a humble servant of the Lord Most High. Because I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter where you live. If you live in China, they're facing the issues of humanity today. If you live in the middle of, of Kenya and the Rift Valley, they're facing the humanities. We're facing the, different situations. They're not worried about their air conditioners breaking in the Rift Valley today. Did y'all know that? You know why? Because they have none. Uh, they're not worried about their indoor plumbing pipes burst because they don't have any. The more stuff we have, the more stuff has us, if you're not careful. Isn't that, isn't that true in our life? All the, all the amenities of life and all the nice things of life, uh, they're nice, and I like them. I like air conditioning myself. I do like indoor plumbing, just for the record. But I've been there and seen they have none. And when they come to talk about Jesus Christ, we don't talk about the things that we have. That's why the prosperity gospel in America, these televangelists, really set me off because they say, you don't have because you're not sowing seed into the ministry of the gospel. And they want you to send them money so that you will receive a blessing. And you go to the middle of Kenya or Tanzania or Zimbabwe and you take that message to a people who have nothing and have no way of getting any more, except when God pulls them out of, God does take them sometimes out of their tribes and out of their clans and brings them to town, but still they're not rich by any means. And when you tell them you don't have food, your children are dying because you're not giving enough to the Lord. Well, that doesn't sound very good. That won't play very well on television today, would it? But is, are, are, are people on television, I wouldn't even call them pastors, are they saying that on television today? You don't have, you got to sow a seed of every X amount of dollars. God just told me that and they'll pull off a hat trick like that. And we talked about this last week. 
How does anybody have a back pain? Uh, someone out in the audience has a back pain, and someone has a knee pain, and someone has an earache, and someone has a toothache, and we go down the list, and it's just the common things of life that they pray on so they might receive money. The Lord Jesus told us to look out. The last days, many will come in his name. He even said there will be wolves in sheep's clothing. And then Paul warned as he left Europe, he said, listen, I want to tell you, Ephesians, when I leave, many's going to come among you, not from the outside in. We know those. They come shouting. Uh, they come with riots. They come with fighting. We know the ones on the outside coming against us, don't we? They're obvious. They're wearing the T-shirts. They're screaming the loudest. We know those enemies. But Paul warned about the enemies that would come among us and sit among you as sheep of God. Paul warned that they would come and sit among us to do what? To devour, to eat you, to kill you, that you might die how? You can't die spiritually. You can't actually, you can't be lost as we talked about this morning. Christ died once and for all. But they sure can eat away at your spirit. They can eat away at your soul. And then they can gossip and bring you to the point that you say, I don't even know if I want to even be around other people anymore. I wish you meant I wish I could actually have a nice big area where I just go and sit all day and be by myself. Anybody? Anybody ever just want to go there? You know, just, just there. Let me, let me visit there. Those, those theirs have a name for my wife. It's called Edisto Hilton Head, right? Just, just, just go there, just to sit on the beach. And something about sitting on the beach she enjoys. I see salt and sand and things that eat you, things that clamp on you and don't let go. I see sunburn, right? I don't get the same a retreat that Wendy gets when she goes to the beach. I see suffering and pain and <laughs> torture. Now, if you get to the mountains, I'm with, uh, and she doesn't like the mountains, I like to get to the mountains and get somewhere in a holler somewhere where it's cold and a creek and a tent and just a fire and just get away. That's a place sometimes. And God made us to retreat. And if you notice, the Lord Jesus Christ, he went away. But he didn't go away just to get away. He went away to get away with the Father. He went to go spend time with God. Mike talked about this morning that he took all my notes from my sermon today and messed me up. If you were in Sunday school, you're going to hear a double sometimes. But Paul was in prison, yet Paul was not in prison. Paul was right where God wanted him to be because God had to get the message out. Paul thought he was going to preach from the outside in to Rome, and God had another plan. He was going to be arrested and preach from the inside out to Rome. And we'll see that in the Word of God today. But I want you to see the divine providence of God, not just in Paul's life, not just in these disciples' life. Luke's writing this. Luke's experiencing it as well. But I want you to think about the divine providence in your life. Why are you sitting here right here right now? God has a plan for you to hear something from his word. Maybe not something from me as pastor, but something from his word. So that's why I encourage you every Sunday, open up your own copy of God's word and see what he says to you because he's waiting to speak to you if you're waiting to hear. Amen? He's always wanting to speak. He loves speaking with his children. Imagine a father who never speaks to his children. They know that I love them. I just never talk to them. Do children understand God, dad's love if he never speaks? No, they like a little WrestleMania once in a while, little hugs and kisses, little, little push-ups when they're little, you know, toss. How many of you guys tossed your kids up in the air and everybody warned you that you're going to break everything in their body, right? Anybody besides me? Let me see your hands. How many dads were that dumb like me, right? My kids are still functioning. They made it through. They're in their 20s. They survived. It's just dad stuff that we do. There needs to be that human touch. And if you didn't experience that growing up, I'm sorry for that. But that's what God put dads here for. He was the spiritual leader of the house. He was the one actually to lead mom and, and the children. That, that's our responsibility. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. It's still your responsibility. God's word never changes. The responsibility for dads never change. If he's absent, divorce, you say, well, my dad's passed. Well, think back at the times. Did you know him? Some people's dads passed when they were, they were children. Then whose responsibility is it? It's mom's. And when you come to the church, whose responsibility is it to come alongside? If you didn't have a father figure, who is it responsible? It's the men of the church. The older men are to teach the younger. In Titus, look at what the Bible says. The older women are to teach the younger. You say, teach them what? Well, what do you start with? The very things that the Lord taught his disciples. The very things that we read here in Paul say, listen, I'm sorry for what's happened in your life, but God is in charge of everything. And God is sovereign over everything. His control has no end. His control, his reach has no shortness or length, right? His, it's all. We're going to see this in the Word today. Let's go to Acts chapter 22. We're going to pick up where Paul 
is just sharing. He's been arrested. He's been beaten by the crowd. And some of sounds like it's the next chapter. Next, Paul gets another beatdown. Yeah, chapter 22, ding, ding. Paul's still in the ring. And here he goes. He's preaching. He's telling his fellow Jews and the, the leaders, hey, this is why I believe in the law, but I've been saved through Jesus Christ. And then he transitioned to verse 21, chapter 22, verse 21. This is something that sets his Jewish unbelieving brothers off. He's the same skin color as them. He speaks the same language they do. And yet he's going to say something that they despise and it's going to send them back into ready to fight again. Verse 21, then he said to me, uh, Paul's telling what Jesus said to him. Then he said to me, depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. He told him, God told me to leave Jerusalem back in the day. So I left and I've been preaching in Europe and Asia to the Gentiles, the people who are not like us. And what did the Jews? The Jews thought they were God's chosen people, which they were and which they are today, I still believe. The church has not replaced Israel as the chosen people of God. We live in a, a very special time, that a unique time, and I'm not a strict dispensationalist where I say this is the time of the church because God's doing something special today even in Israel. People, we see even the scripture in this time, 2,000 years ago, people are coming to Christ. Jews are being saved. And by the way, Jews don't get a free pass to heaven. I, was, I understood that when I was a kid. It, because they were the chosen people of God, they automatically got to go to heaven is what I thought in my head. But no, they had to come by the way of the cross just like we have to come today. Jew, Gentile, no matter what your background is, we all have to come the same way. Because the Bible says, and Jesus himself said, for God so loved the world. That's the world of everyone included. That's not the planet. That's you and me. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, in him, shall not perish but have what everlasting life that's a promise for those who believe in jesus not because they have a chosen status not because they're better than someone else but the jews felt pretty confident and as mike talked about they'd been a, a big long period a 400 period, year, year period from the old testament to the from malachi to matthew these men had opportunity to actually get away from the truth as i talked about providence rhode island how how we're not far from the actual founding of that 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 state if you will because we're only a couple hundred years, right, from it. I talked to Wendy this morning. I said, in your mind's eye, when you think, and by the way, Wendy, we got a late call last night that our niece, that we've been praying for, and we were excited about the family, that she had um, made a decision for Christ at D-Now weekend, and she wanted to be baptized this morning. She didn't want to wait. So she came on late last night, wanted to be baptized this morning. That's the way to do it, by the way. When you get saved, you want to get baptized right away. And so they called with the good news, and and Wendy's like, well, I want to be there. And I was like, well, I want to be there too. I almost called Mike and said, you're preaching and teaching Sunday school today. Uh, but uh, they, today she's celebrating baptism this morning that she has a new life in Christ. So it's so exciting. So Wendy and Mackenzie took off up that way to support. Because we believe actually when you get saved, there's a celebration in heaven. But also should be a celebration here on earth. Amen. The lost has been found. That, that's good news. Watch what Paul does when Paul seeks. Hey, I had to go. Jesus told me to leave, and I'm leaving. In verse 22, and, and they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth. <laughs> how, by the way, just for the record, how do you leave the earth? What were they trying to say? Crucify him, just as we're going to be talking about next Sunday and, and Palm Sunday, and we talk about Easter Sunday. The people were with him. They were with Jesus, just like they were with Paul, and Jesus patterned for Paul because Paul knew what was coming. And what did they shout to Jesus? Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save now. Save us now. And what the people sung was save us now from the Romans. Because the Romans now are coming to our town. They're taking over our town. We're under their oppression. We want to get back to being just our people. So they shouted Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. Save us now, save us now. And we know what those same people did just a short time later. They turned and said, crucify him, crucify him. That's what they shouted. And I need to tell you today, if we were in that crowd, we're, we act that way sometimes in a very similar way. We bless him at one moment, and we curse him with the other side of our moment or time. You say, well, I don't use curse words. No, I'm talking about actually gossip, slander, the vile things that can come out of our mouth, and even the thoughts, if the thoughts are ca uh, captured in our brain, the Bible says take those evil thoughts captive. If we don't captivate and uh, ca capture those thoughts, they'll turn into prolonged thoughts and then eventually they'll turn into actions if we're not careful so we look and see what 
these men are shouting, away with him, away with this fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Meaning, give him the death penalty again. Remember, they've already tried it. Last sermon, they were kicking him and punching him before the Romans interceded and took him away from the people. They're so mad they actually had to lift Paul and carry him so the people couldn't throw another punch because everybody's slinging a punch at him because they want him dead. The whole city's got him in a beatdown. And now Paul's calmed him down. He spoke to him in Hebrew. And now he says, God told me to leave Jerusalem, our people, and to go to the nations. This makes them angry again because they didn't like the Gentiles. They thought they were the only ones that were chosen by God. They thought they were the only ones that were set apart, even though they didn't take the time to read the Old Testament scriptures because it's replete. From Genesis through, through uh, Malachi, you'll see God's talking about a people that's not known, not, not, not of you, a people. You're my chosen people. And by the way, the Jews still are God's chosen people. I believe that. But so am I because I've been saved. God said I died for the whole world that men might be saved. Let's continue. Verse 23, then as they cried out and tore off, <laughs> tore off their clothes, I mean, think about the scene. Can you see the scene? They're ripping their jackets off and they threw dust up in the air that was a way of actually either grieving or showing their anger. They could do both. They do it at the same time. The commander ordered him to be brought back into the barracks or the citadel and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. This commander can't figure it out. Paul has spoken to him in Greek he understands that he's not this guy who led the assassin team, right, to, to stir up the city. And then he takes him back down. And he says, okay, he's speaking their language. Paul says, can I speak? Paul speaks. They understand. And they're like, hey, everything's quiet. And the people got really quiet. And now when he says, I was going to the Gentiles, by the way, the commander understands that he's a Gentile. He knows he's not a Jew. Paul said, I went to them. He, he went to Europe. This is where I'm from. And and. These people are all upset. There's got to be more to this story than that. Let's take him in, and we're going to beat him until he tells us the truth because there's something more to the story than what he's telling us. And this is where we pick up. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion, who was basically a leader over a 100, heard that, he went and told the commander, saying, take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. This meant something in their time, and I'll tell you in a moment. Then the commander came to him and said, and by the way, what is the commander speaking? What language is he speaking to him? In Greek. More than likely he's in Greek because he knows Paul speaks Greek. Same commander that saved him earlier. Then the commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered, well, with a large sum of money, I obtained this citizenship. Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Y'all, isn't this happening at our border today? People wanting to cross our borders, why? Can you blame anybody wanting to come? I don't care how you feel, but can you blame anybody wanting to come into our nation? We've been born citizens, and we complain how awful things are. Things are so terrible. Well, I, I would encourage you, pack your bags and go to the border. Say, hey, one of y'all can come over here, and I'll take your spot down in Guatemala. I'll take your spot down in Honduras. I'll go down where there's nothing, and I'll, I'll switch with you. Anybody, any takers? Then let me encourage you to stop complaining about your citizenship and do something about it. Let's take these people work for us, right? Let's pray for them. Let's do something for our country. Let's pray for our leaders. And you're going to see, listen, God's hand, it's everywhere. Some of you love our president. Well, I don't know anybody that loves it because approval raised down. Some of you voted for a different president because you want somebody different. And all we hear is people complain. And I just want to have, I know kids are in the room and I want to say, two words i'll say be quiet but i want to say the stronger version of it that starts with s and up right it is god is in charge you want to change and guess what we got the very thing that we asked for this week our girls our athlete uh, athletic girls uh athlete, girl athletes packed up their bags and and took off and we were gotten a there got a late minute notice notification that on friday very late minute fr last minute friday that South Carolina was considering there was a, one of our representatives going to in, in, has introduced a bill to amend the 1976 girls and athlete, athletics um, law, if it, the law is on the books. It was going to amend it to say that boys are boys and girls are girls. Can you imagine how sick and how far we've traveled today for this? That only biological men can play men's sports and only biological women can play women's sports. The end. It was going to sell the issue that our president has signed that now transgenders can compete in uh, girls' sports. 
And we've heard of the people fighting with uh, uh, transgender men fighting girls, and, and they put several in the hospital. Um, men are by nature. Now, some of you ladies would argue with me, but you, can, you can't argue with the masses. Men by nature and by build are stronger than women. And you'll, you'll find out when competition comes, it's going to be that we even joked that we were going to have all of our boys be on the softball team so that we can actually win a championship, beat all the girls, and then come back and be boys again the next year. It's foolishness how crazy our world has gotten. But we sent a delegation. We were told that girls across the state were going to come up, show up in your uniform. Public school kids obviously couldn't get out of school unless parents signed them out and knew about it. We didn't know anything about it when it came through actually what all was happening. We thought it was just going to be a run of the mill. Otherwise, we would have rallied the troops Sunday. Our girls go up, and it's, you know, the threat of the tornado last week. They still went up, and the, the threat was probably one of the sunniest days we've had of the week. But, um, um, but we went up, and it was, it was the day before the tornadic activity, supposed to be here. And I called Will. Will says, I'm having a hard time finding a bus parking. And I said, well, just he'd already dropped the girls off. Just go down by this restaurant. I'm looking up on the map. I feel like I'm one of those CSI movies. I'm trying to find him a grid to, to where to park. And then I called Mackenzie on the other line. Hey, how's it going? Is it packed? And she's like, Dad, it's a ghost town. She's like, there's nobody here. We're the only girls in the building in uniform. There's a little, somebody's doing an a, a interview here. There's one there. And they get, she has pictures. She sent to me. They're walking through on the Capitol steps, but also walking through the Capitol. They're just walking through the Capitol with nothing to do. Will, long story short, Will picks them up. Something's gone wrong. And we find out that our legislators and subcommittee tabled it so that it will never be dealt with again, that boys can play girls' sports in South Carolina. Boys can be in girls' locker rooms in South Carolina. Did anybody know about that besides, me, uh, besides us finding out last minute? We found out at last minute. We also found out something else that actually they, they approved and waiting for a governor's signature. And I want you to get, I hope this gets you cranked up. I, this is not a political platform. This is us as Christians standing in the gap for one another. I've lit up our South Carolina Southern Baptist. I'm, I called the convention and said, why didn't you call us and tell us about this? I didn't know anything about it. I can't be everything, right? You can't just follow the politics all the time because there's things that are, people specialize in. And we have people who specialize in that. So I lit a fire this week. I'll probably be the most unpopular preacher in South Carolina in the Southern Baptist circles, and I don't really care because what's right's right. We should have known about this. Derek called back and lit up the, the man who sent us the email, and why didn't you tell us? Oh, well, we canceled because of the threat of bad weather. Well, brothers and sisters, if bad weather would keep you from doing the right thing, shame on us. Amen? And so they tabled it, in, and I called my legislators as well and said, what's the deal? Well, we thought it was going to pass, that it was a no-brainer. It was going to pass in the state. state's conservative. But in the subcommittee, they pulled it out and they tabled it, so it's dead. It's got to be taken up in the next opportunity, but it won't be taken up again. So transgender boys can't go in the bathroom with your girls at school. It's the law. They have a right to do that. Not here. Not at Town Creek Christian Academy. They can't do it in the private schools, but in your public schools. Everybody looked at Target. When Target allowed that, everybody looked the other way. And, and, and Christian said, I will, I'll, listen, you know, I'm just still going to let my daughter use the bathroom in Target. Y'all know Target passed that. When Planet Fitness did it, we looked the other way. And some of the parents, but I just love Target stuff. Targets, I just love their supplies. And, and I, I, I've, I haven't been in Target since they announced that. I refuse to spend one of my dollars or one of my pennies in a place that will go against what I believe, conviction. Because I remember when my daughter was little. And now I got a grandbaby. And y'all, listen, I won't be your pastor if something like that happens to my granddaughter. I'll have a prison ministry. I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I love my granddaughter. I think it's foolishness and unnatural what a man would want to do with a child, and it's wrong. But I, I'm only one man. But listen, our legislators work for you and for me. So, I want, and you say, well, Pastor, that's so political. Why do you bring it up today? Because I'm an American citizen who is a Christian. I'm a blood-bought saint of the living God. And Paul comes to this place when he was arrested. He was about to be tormented for his faith. And he stood up and said, would you do that to a Roman citizen? He exercised, you'll see this in your notes, he exercised his right as a Roman not to be scourged or killed so that he can go and fulfill what God said to do. You're an American citizen today. If you live here and you are an American citizen, you have a right to exercise your citizenship that God gave to you as a gift that you might live for him. Instead of being quiet and sitting at home and saying, what can we do? The world's gone to pot, Right? You can actually make a phone call. You can send an email, and you say, I will not take this. It's not over for me, by the way. I'm going to go have lunch with our legislators. I'm going to get in somebody's grill this week. I've had to calm down a few days 
And I'm still a little bit hot to tell you the truth. Because I can think, when my daughter played at South Lake in high school, a transgender walked in the bathroom after a basketball game, and I almost got arrested. There's people in this room who actually stopped me from harming a 17-year-old boy who was dressed like a girl. They stopped me because church, listen, what's right's right, what's wrong's wrong. You say, well, Pastor, you're supposed to love. I do love, but there's a level of protection too that's inside of me that's wrong is wrong. We've got to wake up, church, and use in exercise like Paul did our rights that we have as American citizens. Quit being the victim and quit sitting at home crying and complaining about the world just going to hell because it is. We know it's true. I'm not trying to change the whole world. I'm just trying to change where I live. If I fix my house, listen, what does that fix? That fixes the state house and that'll fix the White House. Amen? But it starts with me and my responsibilities. Yes, it costs us something. Yes, it costs an investment. Yes, it costs us to be informed. And brothers and sisters, Paul does this very thing. Watch what he does. He, he says, would you beat a Roman? And then immediately those who were about to examine him, they withdrew from him. The government withdrew from him, by the way. And the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he was, that he bound him. Let me ask you this question, just as a serious note. Is your senator, state senator or national, is he afraid of you? No, because he never hears from you. Do you know who he hears from? Do you know why our state legislators killed this in subcommittee? Because the stinking LGBT community cries constantly. A small hand of gay and lesbians go around and chant all the time, and they try to show up at people's houses. They are afraid of them. They're not afraid of the people of God. Because we won't, that should have been a big amen right there. You know it's true because we're not taking action. We won't take action. Paul, these men, the government of Rome was afraid because Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen. He exercised his right as a citizen. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by these Jews, the commander still doesn't know what's going on. He released him from his bonds and commanded that the chief priest and their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, now he's before all of his brothers, the, the Sanhedrin. He's there with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Pharisees were always in a minority. Sadducees were the ruling party. It could be anywhere from 26 to, I think, 75 men in this council. Paul's standing before them, and he finally gets an opportunity. He says, men and brethren, he calls them brothers. It's not Christian brothers. This is brothers because they're of the same religious, or former religious background. They're the same skin color. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Brothers, I did it right. I did it right. I'm telling you, I did it right up to now. He's still speaking to them, I believe, in Hebrew. And the high priest and I commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. The very things that he said, I live by good conscience, the high priest said, hit him in the mouth. Shut his mouth because what he's speaking. And this was actually against, this was not allowed under the law, but it happened. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. That's found in Exodus twenty-two twenty-eight. So he comes to the place, and actually he got smacked in the mouth, punched in the mouth. Paul reviles back, and some people have tried to make it reasons why Paul said this. Was his eyesight bad that he couldn't recognize him? That's been some commentator said that. Was it because Paul said, you're not the high priest? I didn't know you were the high priest because high priests would never act like that. We don't know the real reason why, but Paul said it. He said, you're nice and pretty on the outside with all your robes and all your garments, but on the inside, you're a dead man walking. How dare you hit me in the mouth when I'm trying to tell you the truth. I'm trying to preach the gospel to you, and you hit me in the very, if you will, the, the actual instrument that God gave me to get the gospel. You hit me in the mouth, you whitewashed tomb. Does that sound like a lot of Christians entitled today? They have the title of being a Christian, yet they wouldn't stand for Jesus Christ if it was just a penny a dime, right? a penny a piece that you could get people that are opposing them. They wouldn't stand for him no matter what. They won't stand him in the workplace. They won't stand for him at home. They won't stand for him with family. They won't stand for him at the university. They won't stand for him in public school. They won't stand for him no matter what because they want to be deemed as a secret Christian and God has no secret agents. 
You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you're a Christian today, you'll be activated by the Holy Spirit, and you will do what God says to do. He said, well, Pastor, I'm an introvert. Get over those. That comes from psychology. You might just be a quiet person. That's fine. You might be a loud person like me, and that's fine. You might be somewhere in between. But God commands us that we must be giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. People always say, oh, I'll just let people watch my actions. What if they happen to see you during a bad time? Anybody ever have bad days? I may not feel so well sometimes. Anybody say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do? It happens to me regularly on Whiskey Road, driving in Aiken with Aiken drivers. I don't have a Town Creek sticker on my car because sometimes I, I, I fail the Lord when driving. I just, what are you thinking? Now, I, have a, I don't know if they know what I'm saying, but I know what I'm saying. And when I raise my hands, I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry if you just forgive me. Stop it. You think I would mature? Don't you wish sometimes you just, Lord, just help me mature past this. And somebody will be spiritual at church and say, Pastor, if you were fully God's man, you would actually not act like that. Then I'll ride with you next week. <laughs> or I'll speak to your spouse or your kids. Because let me tell you, listen, here's the mirror. Let me show it. None of us are perfect. Amen? And it turns around and looks at me. Paul looks at this place. He calls the man a dead man. You look good on the outside, but on the inside you're dead. Do you think this man, and I don't know if he ever accepted Christ, which I don't believe he did. Because remember, they've gotten a religious system. They love their system. Imagine him walking in hell. Because in hell, by the way, people used to say it when I was a kid, well, I'm just going to go to hell and party with all my friends. Well, hell's a place where there's no drop of liquid. No drugs or anything like that because it's going to be consumed with fire. Hell is described as a place of gnashing of teeth, a weeping and gnashing of teeth, pitch black so that you'll see no one, touch no one, but hear the sounds of those awful sounds of people crying out in anguish and pain. And I believe this man, he's been in torment for a long time. Nobody's in the lake of fire proper today. They're going there at judgment. At the great white throne judgment, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. But they're in a place of torment today. Can you imagine this man wringing his hands, walking around, and hearing Paul, you whitewashed tombs. He's like, that man called me a dead man walking. And Lord, and I believe there's conversations that I believe God, Jesus, listen, everybody in hell would proclaim today, Jesus Christ is Lord. They would proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm in a place of torment. There was a truth. There was a saving truth. And I walked away from the saving truth. Paul corrects himself with scripture. He says, I would never speak against the high priest. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, this might be Democrats and Republicans in your culture today, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. Could you imagine being in the middle of Portland in Washington today and going to that mob and going, hey, hey, y'all, just so you know, stop, 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 stop. I'm a Republican and I want to tell you something. What's going to happen to you? Firebombs. Or going to a place, you go to a Republican convention, hey, I'm a Democrat, Let's, let, me, let me talk to you. You know, sometimes in our country we've had this thing called compromise. That we agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Doesn't matter where you belong, which, who you belong to, we wouldn't let our affiliations affect our relationships. But today people draw them, draw sides. They want to go to war just because of a title. Paul comes to this and he uses the title to his benefit. He he. For the Romans, he says, I'm a Roman citizen. They stopped beating him. And for these men who are ready to kill him because they have already hit him in the mouth, he knows what's coming. He says, I'm a Pharisee. And my daddy was a Pharisee. So I'm double Pharisee, right? And so what the Pharisees do when you say, actually, if you walked into a crowd and, and I don't know what you registered to vote, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Independents, Democrats, or Republicans, don't raise your hand. But you understand we identify when it comes to time to vote, don't we? Yeah, but maybe you don't vote. <laughs> I vote. And I want to vote for the very best candidate I possibly can get. Sometimes I'm voting for the least worst, right? Is that the word? Like, I don't have any options. But I, if I don't vote, I vote for whoever wins. Here's what Paul does. I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead. I am being judged. That's the judgment for me today. And when he had said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For Sadducees say that there is no resurrection. This is the majority, by the way. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection and no angel, no spirit. 
They believe that God spun you here, put you here, and when you die, you're dead dog dead. Y'all know what that means? There's no more. There's nothing after. That's what the Sadducees believed. Mike stole my pun this morning because they were sad, you see, right? They were Sadducees. They come to a place they have no hope. They just live this life, maximize. So if you were living for just this life, these are your neighbors and sometimes you and me. If you're living just for stuff here, you accumulate as much stuff as you can get, right? As much money, overtime, everything I can get. I want to get all this stuff because there's no life after this life. Might as well live it while it's good. See all the sights. And what happens when a man or woman like that dies? What do they do to their children? Children won't even speak to each other because they want to fight. They want to put a dot on everything that's mine. That's mine. Dad said I could have that. Mama said I could have that. Grandma said I could have that. And there's a war that happens. And in our time right now, the transition of the greatest wealth ever in our nation is about to happen in the next 10 to 12 years. What do you think people's going to do? Love each other? Say, no, brother, you have that. You before me. Now what's going to happen is I want that because I, they told me back when, when I was six years old I could have that. These men got into this fight. There is no angel, there's no spirit, there's no resurrection. Then there arose a loud outcry, and the scribes of the Pharisees party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And now when there arose a great dissension, and a great dissension, imagine these men are already angry. The commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him to the barracks. Now, how do you think Paul is feeling this time? Let's be real. He's just a man. He's not a superhero going through all this. He's like you and me going through his troubled, troubled, uh, troubled times. I can tell you by the next verse, I know what he needed. What would you need in this time when, you're, when you've been beaten down? When you feel like your brothers, the Jews, your own race is against you, your ethnicity, I should say. The Gentiles have come out from Asia also, they're against you. Nobody's listening to you. No matter if you speak, no matter what your education is, no matter what your background is, nobody cares for you. What do you need at that moment? You need Jesus and you need encouragement. And watch what he says, verse 11. And God let it play out, but the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer. <laughs> Why would he have to say be of good cheer? Because he was not of good cheer, right? If the Lord says something, usually the opposite is happening. Be of good cheer, Paul, he calls him by name. Don't you like when your name's called? You ever somebody say, hey, 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 hey. And I tell the kids at school, my name is not hey. If you want to talk to me, call my name, right? Don't hey me. Hey, hey, hey. Be of good cheer. Say it with me. Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. What is the Lord saying? He's doing this. Hey, Paul, be of good cheer. You did a good job. You imagine the Lord Jesus Christ. You did a good job. You did exactly what I told you to do in Jerusalem. How do you like the way I pulled the commander in at the last minute and got you taken out of there? How do you like the way I got those Pharisees and Sadducees all fired up with each other, right? Because you spoke the truth. You see the hand of God, God's providence, taking him out of those troubled spots when it's red hot, when it's about to explode, here comes the Lord Jesus Christ and sends somebody to take him out. He works like that in your life as well. If you walk day by day with him, that's the way he wants to go through life with you. He wants you to know that he's there with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Didn't he say that to his disciples? Let me get to your notes quickly. The first one, a life lived for Christ will be a life lived based on trust, loyalty, and faith. God has never had one single second of unfaithfulness. Can I get amen there? As believers, we gather hope and confidence when we read the Holy Scriptures and walk daily with the Holy Spirit. That's where you're going to get your faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing hearing by the word of God. You won't grow in your faith. When you go take the old historical narratives back in the Old Testament, you go, what does Joshua have to say to me? I don't fight battles with my hands anymore. What did the Lord say to Joshua? Be of good courage. Be strong in the Lord. And then your judge would cry out, listen, you guys can go whichever way you want to go, serve any God you want to serve, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Has anyone ever said that? Have you ever heard this? The joy of the Lord is my strength. We used to sing a song when we were kids. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We'd say it over and over again. 
when I get to be older, I said, that's a good word. Where's that found in the Bible? Does anybody know where you find that in the Bible? It sounds like it should come out of the Psalms. Or it sounds like it's Song of Solomon somewhere, somewhere where there's somebody excitement going on, right? It comes from Nehemiah. Nehemiah. He said that. And what was Nehemiah facing? A Jerusalem that was broken down. He's a cupbearer. He's a slave to the king. He heard from his people back home that they're torn down. And what does Nehemiah do? He starts weeping and crying. And the king says, why are you sad? And usually when the king says, why are you sad? It means you and some other boys are having a plot to kill him. So if you were sad around the king, it meant you were losing your head shortly. Especially these pagan kings. Why are you downcast? I see it in your face. He told him about his situation. My people, the city, it's broken down. What do you need? He was bold enough to, he prayed first, the Bible says, and then he told the king, I need cedars from, from this country, and I need all this rebuilding material, and I need all these different things, and I need some, some protection when I go. And so the king says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. Gave him the lumber and gave him the necessary needs that he needed. Gave him protection to take him with his place. Gave him the food. Gave him everything he needed. Can you see the hand of God? Joseph, we talk about the coat of many colors. Well, that coat of many colors got ripped to shred and got dipped in goat's blood, did it not? His brothers beat him down, threw him in a cistern because they wanted to kill him, a hole in the ground. And then when the caravan's coming by, they pull him back out of the hole. He's got hope. Oh, this is going to turn for my good. They were just mad at me. And they sell him as a slave to roll down and the old boy ends up in Egypt. He works really hard. He gets out of prison. He gets into Potiphar's service. Potiphar's wife cheats. She wants to cheat with him. He could have. He had control of everything. He runs away. She keeps his, by the way, did you notice? This old boy's coats get him in trouble all the time, right? She pulls on his coat. He leaves his coat behind and he gets thrown into prison and he, he's there. And then the baker's there. And, and then the men who actually work with the king are there. And he says, listen, I have a dream. And they, he, told, he told the dream. Do you see the hand of God? If you look back at old scriptures, you can actually say, look, I can see God at work. I can get the 30,000 feet. Look, I see the trouble brewing. I see the trouble happening. I see near death, near death, near death. And then I see the Lord's hand. How about the cross? We're going to be talking about Easter in two weeks. Do you see the hand of God? Crucify him. That was awful. How does God let sinful man do his work? What if Jesus never went to the cross? You'd have no guarantee of salvation today. He'd still be killing your pet lambs. He'd still be offering sacrifices. But he died once for all that all might be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. Let's finish up in your notes. This is good stuff. Church, you've got to see, if you're a Christian today, you've got to see the hand of God walking with you day by day. He kept you out of that accident. You say, well, if I was 15 minutes earlier, if I'd left this morning, I would have been involved in that wreck. You ever done that? If that fire, if I, this would have happened to that fire, this, you can always say, what if? A coincidence. There are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. It's the hand of God, the keeping hand of God who keeps you and sees you. You say, what about when someone passes away? Jesus died on the cross. It was part of the sovereign will of God. Because Jesus also rose again the third day according to the scriptures, amen? He's alive forevermore. Here's what Paul did. Paul boldly shared God's call in his life with his fellow Jews. I think Paul was dumb enough to believe they would believe it. Because what's happened everywhere he's preaching in the synagogues? Some believe, some did not. So Paul just said, hey, I'm going to preach it. And I'm going to shake the tree and whatever nut falls out, guess what? I'm going to pick them up, right? I'm going to gather. Because some of us have opportunity to sow seeds. Some of us come back and water those seeds, and the Lord brings the harvest through some of us. It's not all the same. We're not all the same. Don't want to be somebody beside you, or in front of you, or behind you. Be you. That's who God made you to be. So look, Paul boldly shared God's call in his life. Go with me to John 15. You just need to see this. It's important that you read it. Because some of you will throw your notes in the floorboard of your car and never look at this again. So while we're here, while we got opportunity, let's read it together. John 15, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. If you have a Bible, it's probably a red letter edition. That's usually when Jesus spoke. When you're there, say amen. These things I command you that you love one another. What do you think the command of Jesus is? Come on, bring it to me again. What do you think the command of Jesus is? That's good. That's exactly right. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore,
What did his mommy say? Hate such a strong word. That's what is in the Bible. God hates sin. The world hates Christianity because we say, stop your life of sin and come to Jesus. Turn away, repent of your sin, and turn to Jesus. You see the call? But I like this stuff. I like this lifestyle. Turn away and come to Jesus. Verse 20, remember that the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Anybody feel like they're better than Jesus this morning? Anybody want to testify that you're better than Jesus? Anybody? Anybody better than the Son of God? Anyone? Anyone better than God? Come on down. Marvin's going to testify this morning. I asked him to part of the service last week. Come on down, Marvin. He's not better than the Son of God, but he submitted to the Son of God. Last week we talked about this. You've got to hold it. You can sing it or whatever you can do. But here's what I want you to know. None of us, none of us are equivalent to the Son of God. But when he saves us, he's got a word for us. And when he has a word for us, we're going to give the word away. We must come to the place and say what God says to say. Marvin came to me this morning and said, he got something more to say this week. And I said, well, then say it when I preach, right? And I said, you might be a preacher. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on now. Thank you, Marvin. Uh, <clears throat> as you fellowship, well, anyway, I was supposed to give my testimony. I had uh, 90, 90 minutes, 90 seconds. Just come. You say what you what you done before you was uh, yeah, anyway, before you was saved. Once you got saved, what you gonna do after you saved? What you gonna do for the Lord? <clears throat> so anyway, I messed that up. So now I'm a little nervous too because I wasn't supposed to hold this. But what I do want to uh, do want to say is, my father was the one to tell stories. Thank you. So you can get your way to say yes, Lord. But I, anyway, my father tells stories, and he always left them hanging and wouldn't ever finish. So at one time, Clint mentioned something about, you know, being like your father and your father's before you and this and that. But my heavenly father has gave me things to say and share that my father didn't do. And so one of the biggest reasons I come up here and wear my hat because because when I was young, oh, I always wanted to do that, too. When I was young, the older guys in the, my family had hats like that, and I always thought it was a lot of wisdom and all that in. And as I got older, I found out it was just to keep the sun from burning your head. <laughs> but the Lord has uh, showed me, and I did mention about I never, never uh, witnessed nobody or never seen nobody. Basically, what I think I was trying to say is uh, I put myself aboard the Lord because I, I've never been able to witness nobody to lead them to Christ. What I wanted to do is actually see my crowns before I even got to heaven. I wanted to do a lot of stuff. And uh, so the Lord showed me this uh, last week because we do a lot of training and teaching and you don't never know. But, uh, but here we... Uh, we have a class on with this with the saints and it's at 2 a.m every morning for a week to let me know what i did wrong by serving him see uh i supposed to my 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 life verse was supposed to be uh matthew 5 16. and i just uh, sometimes i have trouble shining I, I work with people every day guys and show them different things but you know it, it's like on the job training i show them different things and all and i never see no results they don't follow me they don't do stuff i do just like me coming here i never see you know nobody getting saved I, you know i think it's all mine but the lord's let me know this week that uh when he walked the streets and he did miracles one after another. People didn't believe him and who I think I am to, to want to be able to save somebody. He's into saving people. My job is just to let, as Matthew 5, 16, let my light shine before men, which I can go glory to the Father which is in heaven. So sometimes like wearing a hat, fixing up, okay, Adrian, showing my socks, 
I want my light to shine just so I can glorify my Father. And uh, we had a class not too long ago, and it was about worship. And, and uh, I come up here without praying last week because I left God out on out the stage. And uh, when you don't do God's way, you don't get God's results. I heard that in another church. No, it was here. Wasn't it? I do want to just uh, share with the men. How does that look? How, how can my light shine before me and I glorify my Father? And so I just have a worship song, and, and this is just for me. It's not for the whole church to sing along or nothing like that. It's just when, when you get time alone, it's one thing to pray, but be intimate with the Lord. And uh, amazing grace, oh how sweet the sound of amazing grace from above. could not see. I cried out to my Lord, and he rescued me. When you spend time alone with the Lord, just uh, sing to him. And just, uh, if he wants to see the fellowship, so much that I will let your light shine for him and celebrate his team and do it his way, and you get his results. For us today, we take about the, the Apostle Paul. Marvin came to me and said, uh, hey, I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say last week. I said, you said a whole bunch. I was trying to sing. But y'all listen to me. God has called all of us. Mar Marvin talked about his reading, uh, lack of reading ability or uh, reading issue last year, last week. There's people who come to the table, all of us, with something, right? A handicap, a liability. Say, can the Lord use me? Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Was it his eyesight? We don't know what it was, but he was willing to let the Lord use him. Let me finish your notes just reading this out, because Marvin, you encourage me. I don't always understand Marvin, but I love my brother. He was down there yesterday. I thought his truck was stuck again down in the ditch. He's down there cleaning all the trees and branches with the, with the, the, the team that was working on the lawn maintenance. Thank you, fellows. And the ladies inside the Town Creek Christian Academy, parents were here working yesterday, working up a storm. If you look at the building clean, how it smelled, how it smelled this morning, it, that was non-members cleaning the building. Now, some of the members were here cleaning as well, and thank you for that. But that was non-members working, doing their part, because it's part of our school, doing their part, actually, for the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom's bigger than 250 Town Creek Road. The kingdom's broad. It's around the world. But we will do our part while we're here. Even if singing a version of Amazing Grace I've never heard, it's praying at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Even if it's Paul is preaching, let me give you the last words. Paul exercised his earthly rights as a Roman citizen to escape torment at the hands of the centurion. It was the right word at the right time. He said, I'm a citizen of Rome, and he knew that would stop the meeting. God opened a private meeting for Paul to speak directly with the Jewish leadership. We read that, the Sanhedrin. Controversy broke out among the leadership because Paul shared his calling. He just told them what Jesus did for him, and it ended up in a ready for them to kill him as well. And then finally, Jesus stood beside Paul that night and gave him a new command. Paul was encouraged. His confidence in providence grew. The question is, I read Matthew 28, Jesus promised his disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're his Christian follower today, if you're a Christ follower, guess what your promise is for you today? Never to leave you nor forsake you. Here's the question. Do you have confidence in the divine providence of God? Do you really trust God with everything? Are you all in with God? God, I trust you. If your answer is no, or I might be today, it's a no. You've got, to come, you've got to come very much to the face-to-face -face with God and say, Lord, I don't trust you. Now, how do we prove that we trust him? Second question, do you walk daily 
in holy boldness, sharing the love of Christ with the watching world. How do we show God that we trust him? It's by actually, how does your children show that they obey you? What's the answer? By actually doing what you say to do. You ever had a, a rebellious child? You're like, man, I just want to, like, if I could just have a 24-hour spanker going on, I'd just have my kids, like, walk in, just save, my, save the switches or belts or whatever. How do you think God feels about us when he's given us everything, especially here in this country? Now, we know I've been around the world, and we have some liabilities as well as some, some great resources in our life. Isn't that true? Anybody looking forward to the time of vacation, time of getting away, time of celebration? We all look for those, those, just those wins, getting to the end of something, being with family. Y'all, listen, God's called us to something great that we can't do today, like Paul. He's called us to actually trust in his hand, his providential hand in all of life. And the question is, will you trust me from God? And if you say yes this morning, you're committing to walking in hand, lockstep with God, that wherever he leads, you'll go. Whatever he says for you to do, you'll do. You won't fully understand it, but you'll do it. You'll share the gospel. We, we, we laughed and somebody was, uh, Wendy and I were looking at furniture. We've been looking at furniture for a long time and you know how that is. Anybody looked at furniture lately? So expensive, you know, I'm not gonna buy that. I'm like, I can get it somewhere else and cheaper than, I'm the one that'll just a little bit longer and a little bit longer and I just continue to put it off and that day's come. And the lady said, well, you should go ahead and order it now because people are getting their stimulus checks back and they're gonna be ahead of you in line. Your order's gonna be pushed way back. I said, well, that's even better. We'll just wait a little bit longer. Hey, but can I encourage you this morning? Listen, you might not be a member of our church. If you get a stimulus check, tie that check to the Lord, a portion of it. Give it to him. You say, well, that's my money. I got news for you. No, it's not. You want to see God do something crazy in your life, start giving every part of your life to him. And then watch him at work. You can never outgive God. He says the church need money. Derek, Listen, when we come to the place of a church facility like this, what do y'all think our mor- what our mortgage is a month? Anybody have a guess? Just, just take a shot. It's us. It's us together. This is our house, so we, we talk about it. It used to be when I got here, when I first got here, I was overwhelmed. I'd never seen those kind of numbers on a check. Our mortgage was $22,000 a month when I got here. I ain't coming back to that church, it's too big. Well, George Avent, and George is with the Lord in, in heaven, but George worked a deal with the North American Commission Board and it got our monthly mortgage down to $9,800 a month. Our goal is to pay that off. But we have other priorities of making disciples in Jesus Christ before we do that. Because when I first got here, everybody was like, hey, put that extra money towards the building, put that extra money towards the building. And by the way, can y'all know this, that the building's gonna fall down one of these days? And my heart was put that money towards people, put that money towards people, put that money towards people. And then we had to fight. And you know, some of you are in the meetings with me. Building, people, building, people, both. Well, it can't be both. You can't pay extra for something if you're trying to reach extra in, for Jesus. So I'm not telling you to give today so that we need the money. Listen, I'm telling you to give so you can be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ and experience freedom, finally have freedom. If you feel like you're in bondage today and you say, well, I can't trust the hand of God, he's already laid it out for us. He showed you the model. He's given you the example. You've heard the word today. And you have to do what Paul did, and you have to exercise your right as a Roman citizen. Today, you're an American citizen. You have to exercise your right as a Christian because the Bible says, really, our citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. We're just passing through. Write this down in your notes, and I want to pray us out of here. Write down, what did Paul think about all this? Romans 8, 18. Just come to my mind. I want you to write this. Write it down. This is very important. You say, I bet Paul was ready to die. I'm sure he was, because he said, it'd be better if I die. But it's better for us if, we, if he stayed here. But this is what he said to the church at Rome, 818. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Are you looking forward to kingdom come? Paul was looking always forward. I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm bringing all this with me. 
Jesus, remember that time in Ephesus when you let me get my behind whipped in the synagogue? <laughs> you remember back in Jerusalem when they were trying to tear me apart? He was faithful. But you know why Paul was faithful? Because God was faithful. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at Paul, and Paul says, listen, I would count all this as nothing as he looked forward to seeing you face to face. And now he's in your presence. I don't know what they, he can hear today, but I pray, Lord, that we represent you well today. We don't even come out to the place of representing Paul. We want to make famous the name of Jesus Christ because everything that Paul experienced was because you were walking with him. And even at his point of need, when he was discouraged, you come along after all of those things and said, it's only really begun. But be of good courage. I'm with you. You're going to go to Rome. And Father, we can see the providential hand of God, how you moved all the way from here in Jerusalem. You sent Paul to Rome. You didn't tell him how he was going. You didn't tell him what he was going to do on the way. You just told him he's going to Rome now that he's been faithful in Jerusalem. And the same thing for us today. You haven't told us what tomorrow holds because sometimes if you told us, we wouldn't believe that you could use people like us to do that thing. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus that we would be faithful, faithful in our relationships and in our finances and faithful in our prayer time and our Bible study. Lord, help us to be the people of God that you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. For sake, amen.